0: On the Midweek Roundup, we take our news stories from our newsletter, and for those watching at home, uh, we look at uh, the news stories from the SMIE Consulting Midweek Roundup, which is, if you're not familiar, is our weekly newsletter. comes out on Monday mornings, uh, 9 a.m. Eastern time, uh, and we put that uh, news, those news stories in the format of uh, social media and international ed news and divide those international ed news stories into a couple of different areas related to... Um, uh, Big picture issues, solution central, and then a global roundup of uh, different, uh, different uh, international ed stories from. Uh the other major destination markets and some others that are not so uh, major, but uh, provide some interesting context for us. So we take those news stories and each week on Wednesdays, we go in depth into three of the themes that we see developing through those news stories. Uh, The first of which we'll talk about in a minute uh, is a social media related story and then a couple of other international ed related stories. So, uh, this week in between Christmas and New Year's, where uh, most of the stories uh, that made up this week's newsletter was a little bit slower on Newsweek than uh, usual, as uh, many, many, uh, many of the publishers and uh, typical outlets took breaks over the festive period. Uh, but we're back up to speed. I think in the, in the coming week, we'll have a, a much broader range of uh, topics that we might be covering. Uh, let's get first into our uh, question number one of the week. Will TikTok survive in the United States in 2023? And this is a really important question because uh, if for those that have been paying attention in the news, you've really seen a distinct lack of a positive news stories related to tiktok when it comes to government regulations in the united states uh, we've we saw in the height of the pandemic and at the height of the u.s china kind of economic and political and social kind of trade wars that were going on we saw a real turning even a bipartisan turning against the platform because of its data security issues related to access To US user data by people in China that would be connected to the Chinese Communist Party. And that has gathered momentum uh, since then. It went quiet for for a year or for a few months, if not a year, around the elections. But now we're seeing, uh, we've seen a, a kind of a resurgence of that. Uh, we've seen TikTok obviously continue to boom globally with over a billion users around the world that are on that platform. And that's a, a huge number because when you look at it, India, the most popular, uh, what what is actually probably the most popular country in the nation, cannot access TikTok because it's banned in, in that country. So to have over a billion users outside of um, India is uh, is pretty significant. And we look at TikTok is a global powerhouse, and uh, even social media management companies uh, like Hootsuite, uh, they have that front and center, and every time you log in, that Hootsuite has over a billion, or TikTok has over a billion users now, when are you going to join in? Uh, really encouraging brands to start using TikTok more if they're not already on the platform. Uh, we've seen within the higher ed community, we've seen some disconnects going on. Uh, there are some universities that have gone all in on TikTok and are have been active for many months in developing content and uh, establishing a presence and a brand recognition on the platform. Uh, where I work currently, uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, we have both an admission, UNLV admissions uh, TikTok account and, and a team of uh, students that are, are managing that as well as an official UNLV uh, TikTok account. So when you look at what TikTok has, has done on the university level, uh, it's, it's starting to take hold and many uh, institutions, particularly those that are already savvy on social media tr- trends and platforms and trying to keep up uh, have, have already invested time and energy and money into developing content for that platform and across their social media. Uh, but what you see in this new wave of anti-TikTok legislation that's being proposed, we've seen already states, uh, including South Dakota and a few others that have banned state officials from having TikTok on their devices that uh, in certain uh, states like South Dakota, Public universities cannot use TikTok for marketing and communications. We've seen just this past week the news story that'll be dropping into, uh, into the chat in a in a minute or two, has information uh, from, uh, from the most recent uh, uh, legislation proposed in the House before uh, they went uh, <laughs> there in their current leadership throws uh, of what's that that's going to look like in the new year, but we've we've seen the House. Uh, uh, propose a ban on, or it's actually already happened, a House has banned any of its uh, House of Representative employees and that it's obviously Congress people as well as uh, staff paid staff uh, from using TikTok on uh, House owned devices. So uh, obviously a member of Congress could potentially use his own device, not a personal device and, and then still, still access it. But you wonder if that would actually be uh, frowned upon significantly in the Congress these days, uh, which we'd see about that. But you see a lot of negative press, particularly in government circles, uh, from, I mentioned, the state organizations. But there's also, uh, in this article uh, that is uh, mentioning, uh, from CNN, mentioning this ban, uh, there's actually, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of the forerunner to what uh, is going to be, uh, because of the security risks um, for access to Particularly government officials' data, uh, because of that, Uh, the uh, there's also uh, as part of the legislation included in the um, in the one point seven billion dollar omnibus bill that Congress passed last week during the during the Christmas recess or prior to the Christmas recess, uh, you see that there a federal ban on. TikTok on government devices is is part of that legislation, so that should be coming soon as well. So those those security concerns that uh, U.S. data, member data, user data would be accessible is accessible to uh, individuals in China is is causing the U.S. government to. Uh, basically a uh, shut up shop and uh, in terms of government access to social media to this social media platform. So you wonder if uh, it is uh, if it is if it will ever will really extend beyond that And that's something that I think might be a bridge too far uh, frankly for uh, the US government uh, to take that significant of a step given how, how significant uh, U.S. users on the platform are. don't have the exact numbers, but it's in the hundreds of millions, or probably close to 100 million at least, in the United States that are already on TikTok. And we certainly see the youth... Um, of the country. Uh, that once you're able to get a social media account, that's uh, one usually one of the first go-tos that uh, the youth, uh, particularly pre-college age students, are going to be picking up on. But you even see adults and celebrities uh, jumping on the bandwagon too with their TikTok presence. And when you know Sir Anthony Hopkins is has a as an official account. Uh, Patrick Sir Patrick Stewart as well, and all, all of the, uh, all, all these famous actors, older actors having the, having accounts. You know, it's uh, it's no longer a fad. So uh, we see. Uh, I, I think we'll continue to see that acceptance by the public, but perhaps uh, government circles will be going a very different direction than uh, what's uh, what, uh, what 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 we might uh, what the U.S. population might be uh, willing to do and and engage, how they will engage with TikTok. So I think there's it's probably, perhaps as as we alluded to in a couple of posts in the previous weeks, uh, newsletter. Well, it may be too big to fail, uh, just because of the sheer volume of people who are using it now, and to s- suddenly turn off the tap like that uh, would prob- would be a very significant uh, blow to obviously those that are uh, have their uh, part of their business model might be. Uh, mostly TikTok nowadays, and depending on what they're, what they're selling, if it's their brand or otherwise, or services. So we'll see where that goes. But I think there's, there will be life. Uh, will, will TikTok still exist in 2024? Probably in the United States, uh, as a, but probably not in US government circles. And this legislation uh, will have some riders attached to it, or conditions attached to it, if it passes. That where all U.S. government uh, uh, officials are no longer able to use TikTok on government devices, you may see. Uh, you may see uh, if because a lot of this was predicated on uh, the moves to ban, uh, in the, at least in U.S. government circles and state government circles, has been based on that data security issues that they had not gotten insur- gotten assurances from. Uh, the parent company of TikTok, ByteDance, a uh, Chinese-owned co- company, that, uh, that that data access was 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 being secured. The member data, or user data, was secured from access uh, by folks in China. So we'll see where that lands in the coming weeks and months. But certainly uh, an interesting topic. Uh, certainly uh, when you look at the competitive landscape of international student recruitment and kind of bring it back to what we talk about here and on a day-to-day basis on the uh, at SMIE Consulting is uh, the use of social media in how we recruit internationally uh, has been a, a topic that is, has existed. It's, it's, it's happened since 2005, at least, that uh, social media has been used to recruit international students in one varying forms over those 15 years. And you look, 15, 18 years now, excuse me, uh, 18 years now, 2023, 20, yeah. Uh, when I first started using social media in 2005 for student recruitment internationally, uh, to, to today. It's been a regular part of, and a growing part, of most universities' approach to student recruitment, and domestically and internationally, that there are implications to this. So our, our, our folks who are at state institutions that, where the governments of those states have banned uh, uh, officials from using uh, TikTok for marketing and recruitment and, and communications, is that putting them at a competitive disadvantage in the student recruitment game. It'll be a slight disadvantage if they hadn't or if they had already been on and were making significant uh, headway in terms of developing a brand internationally uh, for, uh, for their campus. But certainly no, no, nobody uh, in their right mind would go all in on one social media platform as their only tool to recruit international students. So it'll be a small hindrance if, if for those institutions that are impacted in states where it's banned. Uh, but I, I certainly don't think it's, uh, it's going to s- severely hamper uh, universities that are – uh, are trying to uh, leverage so different social media platforms in different markets. And when you think about it, you look at, look at what's happened with social media. Uh, there's always something new coming down the pipeline. And TikTok internationally probably hasn't been as well developed as uh, many other platforms, uh, one on Instagram and Facebook, which have certainly received, and YouTube, uh, received the, probably the lion's share of attention from U.S. institutions looking to leverage social platforms abroad. Uh, the obvious exceptions to that would be uh, uh, C- U.S. colleges and universities that have been operating in China already and already knew that they had to use Chinese-owned properties uh, to, uh, to function in, uh, in China, like WeChat and Doyen and Yuku and all those other platforms, uh, Weibo. Uh, so we'll see what happens in the future, but TikTok surely will survive 2023. Uh, but would well, uh, to varying degrees, uh, institutions Maybe who weren't even thinking about going down the TikTok road might be um, might be put off by the government's decision. But those who are still able to use it will will continue to do so. I'm sure without without uh, many reservations. So let's move on to question number two. Will China uh, China's struggling uh, str- that has been struggling with their reopening uh, will that struggle uh, impact spring intakes? And there's a lot of evidence out there. For those who have been following it, uh, we see uh, a lot of different things. And the first link I'll be posting is uh, an unfortunate unfortunate news story uh, where you see uh, visa services have now been uh, canceled or closed uh, at U.S. consulates in China as a result of the uh, huge increases in COVID cases uh, that have been happening across uh, the country uh, since uh, the Chinese Communist Party relaxed uh, restrictions on movement within the country uh, within the last three weeks. And that has led to an explosion of cases and hospitalizations and deaths. We don't know official figures because they won't release those. We know that's, uh, that's happened throughout the pandemic. They've been very tight-lipped. They, I think they said they've only had 5,000 deaths during the entire pandemic. So that's a lot of poppycock as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the numbers are in the uh, – are, are, uh, one estimate I've heard of what's been happening recently uh, could push uh, China beyond what the U.S. Ex- has experienced all, t- all throughout the pandemic uh, in terms of total deaths uh, just in the next uh, next six months, based on the, the projections that uh, at least independent reports are picking up from different hospitals and and kind of exp- expanding that countrywide. So we'll see what happens with these. Uh, I'm really. Um, uh, really, a little curious as to why. Uh, well, not why. Well, we're all curious as to what we know. Think we know the reasons why they reopened. Uh, uh, the government reopened uh, in terms of tra- allowing travel because they've they've taken huge hits reputationally. They've taken huge hits uh, economically in the country. And frankly, they were facing some political protests uh, from citizenry that was unseen uh, in China. Uh, public protests against the government and things that people were said about uh, the regime uh, were. Uh, that had never been uttered in public and certainly recorded like that in Western media. Uh, and that's something that the government had to respond to and as a result of three years of being pent up and in various stages of lockdown and significant uh, restrictions and move on movement within the country let alone being able to travel abroad we know we know that flights uh, in and out of China have had been restricted to probably 10 or 15 percent of what they were pre-pandemic so there just really wasn't access to leave and to get an affordable flight to come to the US or to go uh, go abroad so what happens in the coming uh, coming weeks and months as we move forward uh, in the pandemic, w- the immediacy of the next month uh, when spring intakes are happening across the country. Uh, with the closure of the U.S. embassy and consulates in China right now, new students aren't going to be able to get visas to come back or to come in for the first time. They're probably going to be deferring again if they, if they hadn't already deferred from the fall. Uh, so we're seeing a... a uh, are going to be seeing a huge shift uh, if the situation does not change. And again, it's January 4th today. Uh, we do know, uh, for example, on January 8th, uh, ch- China is removing uh, quarantine restrictions for those that are coming into China. Uh, and they're doing that to hopefully re- uh, see some rebound in their um, in, their, in, in tor- cer- certainly tourism dollars and such. So uh, what, we, what we've seen in, in terms of the articles that have been published recently, we've seen a lot of different variations on what, whether, whether these restrictions on quarantine are suddenly being lifted or suddenly going to open up the floodgates. The flights still aren't all back on yet to allow more to come in or and out of China. Uh, so we'll, we'll, I don't think the effects going to be in time. And certainly not with the consulates closed and why are the consulates closed uh, the consulates to close because local staff the local hires are, are, are with that might be affected by COVID or or have been uh, are impacted that they're not able to come into work and, and when the staffing isn't at the right levels to fully function have an embassy or consulate functional then you can't have you have the visa services that you would normally have now uh, for, for new students that have been looking to come, uh, obviously the January intake's not as big, but there was uh, potential that those students that were trying to come in the fall couldn't get visas in time because of travel restrictions, couldn't get, uh, and then deferred to the spring. Now thought this was the opportunity, but now with the visa services suspended. And uh, I had a, had a colleague ask me, actually a, co- a friend um, of friend of ours uh, who was from China originally, our, our sons are in, in karate classes together, and he, he mentioned, well, that seems like that's a U.S. government decision to close the embassies and staff. Well, it is, uh, because they, they're dependent on having the staff to fully, to, to make their embassy or consulate operational. So with so many uh, explosions of cases ar- around the country, those, those consulates have not been able to staff fully and obviously can't have uh, the visa services that they would like to have and would have normally had. Uh, ironically enough, as that that they were offering pre-pandemic, pre-lifting uh, of all the travel uh, movement restrictions that the country uh, had had in place for so long uh, in varying degrees. So we'll see what happens with this one, but it's a, it's a pretty messy situation in China right now uh, in terms of uh, COVID and uh, the cases that, and hospitalizations. We've talked in past about the, the challenges that this reopening has had, and we've seen uh what uh, the po- populations that have been most directly impacted have been the elderly uh they had lower vaccinate lowest vaccination rates uh, uh among were in China were among the elderly i think they only had 60% uh vaccinated and uh among the elderly population and the problems have been the, va- the quality of the vaccines that they had were only 50 60% as well so uh you have over half uh, for all those that were in that most uh, impacted uh, demographic for uh, for covid you, you those were the ones that were having um, were, were most susceptible to it that were having vaccines that weren't uh, as effic- efficacious as as the ones we might have gotten here in the west uh, that were 85 90 percent successful uh, so you, you you really see some challenges uh, uh, with with their infrastructure, there, hospitals and uh, are are swamped at the po- at this point, and makeshift uh, morgues uh, popping up like we saw at the beginning stages of the pandemic here in the U.S. and in New York and some of the other bigger cities. Um, those that's really sad to see. Uh, it's sad anytime uh, a pandemic uh, takes lives, uh, but uh, to see it happening in a country that had held itself out as this uh, great example of what. Uh, what uh, how to contain uh, a pandemic we've uh, and to now for it to be happening to this to this extent to them the the greatest extent of which we'll never know because just because we don't we don't have access to that data and the official figures are, are you can't trust it uh, in terms of what's coming out from uh, chinese news sources so we'll see what happens with this but i think it's uh, there is going to be a significant impact on china chinese students b- being able to come back to uh, to study not only in the us but uh, other consulates ch- that with, uh, operate within China that are still ish- issuing visas or were going to be able to issue visas. Uh, without interview requirements, it probably won't be as affected. It'll be down to whether well, they can get a flight. Uh, so we'll see uh, how that happens uh, for those that are have intakes in the spring uh, post-January 8th uh, and, and when travel restrictions are lifted for inbound and outbound. Certainly China is expecting to grow their inbound population of international students again once those quarantine restrictions are lifted next week. Or this weekend, actually, next on Sunday. So we'll see what uh, what the data shows uh, in the coming months on that. But uh, certainly, uh, there will the the, the Chinese uh, struggles uh, with reopening are going to continue. Uh, and we'll see uh, how, uh, how tours might be opening up in the spring and the fall. Probably fall is probably the most realistic time when people recruiters will be going back into country. I'm sure they could get in in the spring now with uh, the quarantine lifts are happening but I don't know if it's the best environment to go in to go back to right now um, even with your even being fully vaccinated you never know what's going to happen when the next lockdown would happen uh, that might impact your travel so a situations certainly a lot of dust in the air right now. Uh, That uh, an uncertainty, frankly, in terms of uh, Chinese uh, Chinese uh, ability to leave, uh, but also our ability to go there and recruit. So we'll need to continue to rely on our on the ground boots on the ground forces there in terms of agents, Education USA alumni that might be operating in country or staff uh, that uh, can still do the job of, uh, of meeting with prospective students and parents and convincing them about our institutions. So we'll see where that goes. So let's get on to our last question of the day, and that is one that uh, I've enjoyed talking about over the years, and it's not uh, last couple of years at least, uh, since it was first introduced as um, a kind of a stopgap measure, um, particularly used in India to great effect to allow more visas to be issued. Because was the biggest hangup for, um, for high-volume countries, uh, has frankly been uh, the um the visa interview requirement that the u.s has that very few other countries have uh, that uh, often involves uh, extensive security checks that aren't necessarily part of that interview but uh, for the what has been the policy is that uh, anyone that needs a security clearance or uh, some levels of security clearance that work is done either after the application before the interview and shortly after the interview before a visa can be issued and those checks, we saw this during post-9-11 uh, world uh, when student, particularly male Muslim students uh, would have uh, be delayed months because of the security clearances that required. That process has sped up quite a bit since, but there's still uh, security clearances for Chinese STEM students that happened during the Trump administration uh, are still, still an issue, but uh, that do take time. But you see, when we look at the, the bigger picture, uh, the waiver of the in-person visa requirements uh, is uh, a significant one if, and if this is the big if, uh, for individuals who had previously been issued a U.S. visa, it could have been a visitor visa, it could have been a student visa, any other type of uh, non-immigrant visa, if they had, had a visa issued in the last five years, that interview requirement would be waived. And that means it's just a paperwork decision. Uh, documents get sent and the Homeland passport gets returned with the visa stamp once everything's signed, sealed, delivered, and then the person is free to go uh, to the U.S. Uh, so that's uh, been a huge, huge help to uh, high-volume countries like India to clear uh, in the past um, past year, in 2022, U.S. embassy and consulates in India approved over 120,000 uh Indian student visas, uh, uh, F1 student visas for Indians to come to the U.S. Uh, record. Uh, so we're we're gonna we're gonna if we see more countries, high volume countries, uh, also uh, be able to take advantage of this. It will make it again easier for, for returning. Uh, visa applicants not just student but any any non-immigrant visa visitor visa could then take advantage of this waiver and uh, just have to file their paperwork once they get their new i-20s uh, for for institutions to come back or renew their visas so it's uh, a real positive uh, positive uh, step uh, in terms of extending that the challenge is it's it's only been through it's only been extended through 2023 we we're hoping it would be made permanent uh, but that's not happened there's still a lot of things that need to be answered uh, when it comes to immigration and visa issuance uh, policies that uh, whenever the pandemic era exceptions like this, uh, like the one, at least uh, a limit of only one online class uh, per term, uh, if, if, if and when we do go back to that, that regulation, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Uh, frankly, a lot of institutions will be, will be facing that. Uh, that issue. So we'll see uh, what happens with that in the coming coming weeks and months. But uh, a lot of uh, a lot of positives coming out of the waiver extension. Uh, but uh, if. It truly would be a, a groundbreaking one if it were made permanent, even more so if we, we could have some of these other issues that we you know need addressing from both the consular affairs side at the State Department, but also on immigration, um, immigration regulations within USCIS. So we'll see what happens next on these, these and many other issues, but we'll extend to all of you who've been uh, faithful followers of the Roundup here uh, live on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Uh, appreciate you being a part of the conversation each week but also want to extend uh, a special a shout out and thank you to those who listen uh, to the audio only podcast. Uh, we're uh, hitting 22,000 downloads. So uh, uh, two, excuse me, 2,200 downloads. I wish 22,000. We're hitting 2,200 downloads this week. So we're very grateful for for your continued uh, engagement with us uh, through the Uh, on-demand versions of the Roundup. So thanks so much for being a part and we hope you have a very happy and prosperous new year. Thanks very much. Cheers.